This is Right from the Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? (laughs) As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you. Bringing interviews, inspiration, and information to encourage, refresh, and equip you to embrace the deep, to find your truest story, your truest message in the deep places. You can get the episode show notes, lots more information and encouragement, and your free audio download, Five Crucial Ways to Safeguard Your Writer's Heart, at writefromthedeep.com. Hey, everybody, in case you're wondering, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep nowadays. Well, first, as always, thank you to our patrons on Patreon. You guys help make this show possible, and we are so very grateful. Special thanks go out to our April sponsor of the month, Priscilla Shero. Yay! She's working on a memoir called Bunked. Life, Love, and Laughter with Traumatic Brain Injury, something to which I uh, have a great affinity, having had a TBI. And that will be published by Redemption Press. She also blogs for TBI slash PTSD, Alphabet Soup Community, on her website. And that website is www.priscilla, P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A, Shero, S-H-A-R-R-O-W, PriscillaShero.com. Yeah, guys, check it out. It's it's a big help for people um, dealing with traumatic brain injury. So next, um, well, guys, here's what else is happening. Like the rest of the world, uh, we're hunkering down. Um, my hubby's at home, and we're like in our little apartment here, um, trying not to step on each other. So we like make arrangements. Okay, you have the bedroom for this time, and you have the living room, and we're, we're doing the shuffle. Um, but it's also in the midst of this very difficult time, it's also an interesting time for rest. And it's forced Sabbath, you know. We can't be doing the, our busy lives nearly the same. And so I think some good may come out of that. Just to make it clear, we're recording this um, March 25th. Yes, that's the day today, March 25th. So we're in the middle of the um, all the orders to shelter at home or even the stay-at-home orders where you can't go out at all. So we have shelter at home here in Southern Oregon, and but I have been on stay-at-home order from my husband for the last two weeks. He will not let me out. I'm in, and that, rightly so. Yes, yes, yes. I'm in. I'm in the high risk category with lung disease and being 62 and all that fun stuff. So anyway, it's been fine. Even though I'm an off-the-scale extrovert, I'm finding, like Aaron has said, that it's it's a good time to really focus on Don and me and to focus on playing with the dogs and finding ways to you know, do things that uplift in the midst of all this time. And God has been so good. I mean, it's a great time of year here to be having to shelter at home because everything's blooming. And so I I have a sense of God's renewal and and just the circle of how we go through dark times and then recover from them. So um, God is always present. God is always good. And we are praying for all of you. Right. And now here's Here's the the show. show. Welcome, listeners. Welcome to The Deep. We're so glad that you have joined us. And yay, today we have a podcast guest. I'm so excited. It is Sharon Dunn. And of course, I'm going to let Karen introduce her. 
I'm so delighted that Sharon is here with us. I'm delighted you're here, Sharon. I love listening to Sharon. She's one of the smartest people I know and one of the most reasoned people I know. I love listening to her talk about anything, politics even. I seldom get involved in political discussions, but I love listening to Sharon because I know what she's going to say is filled with grace and has been well thought out and will be presented in an even and reasoned way, something sadly missing in our world. Well, in addition to being such a smart person, she is an award-winning, multi-published author with over 30 books to her credit. You would think she was 90, but she's not. She's young, (laughs) and she's got more on the way. She writes romantic suspense and humorous and cozy mysteries for the Christian market. They really are wonderful. Her books have been on the USA Today seller list as well as Publishers Weekly. And her very first book, Romance Rustlers and Thunderbird Thieves, that was a Romantic Times top pick. Pretty awesome. Prior to focusing on novel writing, and this was something I actually didn't know about you, Sharon, she was an award-winning playwright. See, I told you she was smart (laughs) and short story writer. Sharon, welcome to The Deep. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me today. I'm just delighted and excited to be here. And we should say, we're not talking politics. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Fear not. (laughs) Because Sharon is smart about lots of things. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, the first thing we want to know, Sharon, is what does the deep mean to you? I've known Karen for a long time. And when I saw she was doing this podcast and I saw the title, instantly I had a response to that. I think that whatever creative endeavor it is, whether it's painting or writing or sculpting, um, the very best art comes from a place of anguish and confusion. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to work something out in the writing or in the sculpting or whatever it is. And so when I saw that title, that's what the deep means to me. I think sometimes as Christians, we operate from a place of thinking we have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that question is always asked, why does so much Christian art seem so trite and so shallow? And I think it's because we refuse to go to the deep. Yes. to the places of that anguish and that confusion and that that mystery yeah. that is you know that is god hmm. so that's what the deep means to me yeah i love yeah, that the places we don't understand We've had right. a podcast in the past about the fact that our, our normal response to being in the deep is that we want to get out of it as fast as we can. Oh, yeah. and, and we encourage people to dwell there, to, to see what it is that God has for you there, and that will accomplish exactly what you're talking about. Right, to ask the hard questions, to admit that you have anguish and confusion, right. even as a Christian, you know, that's the deep place that we're meant to go, that deep underwater place. Maybe even especially as Christians, you look at what Jesus went through in his agony and the sweating blood, and please take this cup from me if you can, but you don't reach that place of not my will but yours without a whole lot of anguish. Right, right, yeah. I think one of the barriers the barriers to that, asking those hard questions, is that we're afraid we, we won't like the answer, you know? <laughs> and that goes yeah. back to trust. Do we trust that God is going to be good and who he says he is? Right, right. And I think um, it's okay to say, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, in your own personal life where you, you, you rail at God and, you know, 
have a fist toward God and say, why, why is this happening? You know, people that have chronic illnesses and ongoing pain or, or like me, um, six years ago, my husband died at age 58, you know, and I will say that that took me to a, a, a place of depth that I, I had never experienced before. And I've obtained some answers, but there's still this enormous mystery mm-hmm. that I get, I get to ask God, you know, when I see him face to face. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one well of the, so oh, go ahead, Aaron. Oh, I was just going to say one of the, one of the things I'm looking forward to talking to you about is your take on the psychological barriers that hinder writers from writing. I, I just love when we when we hit on this topic, I think you had mentioned it, Sharon, and I just I love this idea. So, talk us through that. Um, what what do you think is the first barrier? Okay, I've been in critique groups and I've helped beginning writers, and I've been a beginning writer myself. And a lot of times, you'll hear people say, "I don't have time to write," mm-hmm. and I think that's a um, that's a lie or an excuse that they're telling themselves because they don't want to they don't want to work through the barrier that is keeping them from sitting down and you know putting your your hands on the keyboard and starting to write or writing longhand or whatever it takes and i i think there are five things that people have to work through and they're at different stages a lot of times when people say i don't have time to write I say, well, tell me what your your weekdays look like and tell me what your weekends look like. And I can see all kinds of time in there where they can grab an hour, <laughs> you know, but they're doing something else. They're playing a video game or whatever it is. You know, they're going to a coffee shop, whatever it is. Everybody has time to write. If you really want to write, you will find a way to do it. But the two, the two immediate barriers are um, fear of success. Mm. And um, fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. The fear, the fear of success is that your life may change once you start to write. Mm. You know, you might have less time for um, keeping your house clean or whatever it is. I remember one writer saying that that her husband was not happy because she was spending more time writing and <laughs> the condition of the house deteriorated. Oh no! Um, you know, and it's not fear of success in the sense that we're all beca- going to become bestsellers and our books will be turned into Hollywood movies or anything like that. It's just the fear that if, if this writing thing starts to take off, my life is going to look different. Mm-hmm. And, and then the other barrier is, is a more serious one, which is that fear of rejection. As long as we just remain in the place um, where we have a fantasy about writing and I don't know about you, but I've been at potlucks and parties and stuff. And the minute you tell someone that you're a writer, they're like, oh, I have this great idea for a book. Oh, you know? my gosh. Or sitting on the plane. I can't tell you how many people <laughs> have been beside me on planes. And then when they find out what I do for a living, they're like, I have an idea. You need to write. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. That's the <laughs> scariest thing is when someone says, we should write a book together. Because <laughs> immediately I think, oh, so I'm going to do all the work and right. you'll just have ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so, so getting past that, that fear of rejection, because if you write, eventually you have to put it out there in some form right. and people will have a response to it or you send it to an editor and an editor will say no. And what I say to people is, 
you have to you have to to use a biblical phrase, gird up your loins because mm. this this is a business where you hear the word no way more than you hear the word yes, you know, and then on a a smaller level, even within a critique group or with a critique partner, you know, you're going to have people that say the story isn't working for me, or I'm confused on page 10 or whatever it is. And you have to be able to work through that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and people, when you write, you are pouring a piece of yourself into that book or into that article. So it's hard for someone to say, to hear, I don't want that, you know, to have an editor say, I don't want that because it's like they're, they're saying, I don't want you. So you have to learn, you have to have a a tough skin Mm -hmm. and be prepared to know that if you want to succeed as a writer, rejection is part of that, you Mm, know, and that your identity has to be separate from what you're producing artistically, you know? Right. And the thing the thing that people miss so often, and, and I think it's because they they forget how important a teachable spirit is. God always tells us to have a teachable spirit and to be ready to be refined and it's iron sharpening iron. And and there's an entire team. We're the writers, yes, and we put the story on the paper, but there's an entire team that God puts in our path of people who help us, who teach us, people who critique are a part of the team God has given us. And and it's just like in my work, I have developed an accountability group. There are people that I have asked that I, if I can come to them when I have a decision or something that I need to, to do, and I just, I'm not getting clear guidance. And so I go to them for guidance and just tell them to tell me anything God says. Sometimes I like hearing their responses. Sometimes I don't, but regardless, I respect the fact that, that God has spoken to them. And then they share that with me. We need to be in that place as writers, to be able to say, this is not to hurt me. This is to make me better. Right, right. And I will say there are, there are mean people everywhere. So you can, <laughs> yeah. you can get a, you can get a mean person in a critique group, you know, that just wants to tear everybody else apart. Um, so even in putting together a critique group, you have to be selective that the motives of people's hearts is that they want to see you improve and get better. Amen. So, yeah. Let, let's circle back for just a minute to the fear of success as well. One of the things I think about with that is I think about not just the change that comes to your life, if this is a thing that you end up doing, but it's also not living up to expectations. I think the fear of success is, is in part about that. What if I just, you know, get lucky on my first book and I can never do it again? Do you yeah. have any wisdom to to speak to that that someone might be struggling with? Sure. Yeah. And I know every time you start a book, you think, what a fraud I am. Yeah. You know, even though I'm 30 books into it, it's like you have to get through that barrier. And what I tell myself is don't trust your own PR, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or your successes even, but but be in love, trust the process. Yeah. After having written 30 books, you have to shut off all those voices that say you can't do it. Who do you think you are? You just got lucky that for the first 30 times, you know, <laughs> this will be the book that thinks you, you just got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So yeah, because that voice is there no matter what. Mm. So 
what I do, and I say that to myself, trust the process. You know, when you start a book, it looks awful. You know, it just <laughs> looks awful. And what I tell myself, and every writer has a different process, but in that rough draft, which is the hardest part for me to write, I just say, okay, I'm, I'm just trying to get the scenes in place. You know, yeah. I just want this. And the deeper, more nuanced stuff, the deep emotions, the motives, all of that, you're going to get that in later drafts. Right. I just want to make sure that the, the plot is there. Yeah, I have a verse that I go to in those times when finally I'm able to get all the holes filled, or at least it feels like it does until my editor gets a hold of it. But, um, you know, for me, I feel as though, okay, this is the best I can make it when it was Angie Hunt, who's a marvelous writer, used to say she would just dump like 10,000 words on the page in one day. And she'd say, those are really stinky words, but they're on the page. Right. <laughs> and they give me something right. to work from. So right. when I get past the stinky word stage and I feel like it's really working, I like to go to Psalms 13, 5, and, and it says, I trust your love and I feel like celebrating because you rescued me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I love it. Yeah. And I, I think part of the writing process is you're trying to pull, you really are trying to pull something out of thin air, right? Right. Yeah. You, to make something out of nothing. And that's why you free write and you make lists and you do research. You're trying to create a something to work with. So um, once you have that rough draft, once you push through that, it's not as scary anymore because then yeah. you have something to work with. Right. So those were the first two barriers then. They were about, I don't have time to write. What are the next right. ones? So the other thing that I see as people move through this process, they might establish that they ha do have time to write and they start to produce some stuff. And then it's something that I call writer's depression, mm -hmm. which is when we get an idea in our head, it's all sparkles and glitter because we sort of only see the high points of, you know, you see the really dramatic scenes. Mm -hmm. and, and then we sit down to write and we just go, oh, you know, and then depression <laughs> depression sets in and you go, this is going to be a lot of work to, for, to match the vision in my head that looks so glittery and sparkly. And you have to write all these transition scenes and figure out all this stuff. And there's like a depression that sets in when you see the hard work that's ahead. Mm -hmm. So again, you have to push past that psychological barrier. And again, in my case, because I've written enough books, it's that trust the process. You've produced a book before. And for someone that is in the, the, the first book stage, you're still trying to establish a process. And everybody's process is different. So you have to trust that there's a story there mm -hmm. and just sit down, treat it like a job, like you're punching the clock. I'm going to work for two hours. I can sit here and stare at the ceiling or I could put my fingers on the keyboard and see what happens, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And work through that depression. Right. It, it's like it's so overwhelming. I think, too, thinking about it in smaller chunks might be helpful. You know, if, if you're depressed because it's just so overwhelming, you know, thinking about just, well, let's just write a few words. Let's write a paragraph. Let's write right. a page. And that's okay. Yeah. And, you know, there have been times when it was 100 words at a time for me mm -hmm. where I would make a deal with myself. Just write 100 words. So you'd write 100 words. 
okay, Sharon, just write a hundred more, you know, and that's, that's how you would get through whatever you needed to do for that day. It's you have to make a deal with yourself. And I, I love what Aaron said that you have to break it down into chunks that you can deal with, you know, because writing a 250, 300 page book, that's huge, especially if you're, you know, you're sitting down for the first time and trying to do that. So finding the the chunk that you can deal with, I think, is really good. Right. I like um, the guidance that we get from Philippians 3, 12 through 15. Um, He says, one thing I do, forgetting that which is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And I love the fact that it's straining toward what is ahead. It doesn't say sailing or cruising (laughs) or gliding (laughs) i press on toward the goal to win the prize for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things and i know that this isn't exactly talking about writing in scripture and yet the principle is the same when you're in that place where it's going to be hard you press forward you forget what's behind and you press on toward the goal so that god can use what you're doing for him yeah, yeah, for sure. Go ahead with the next barrier. Okay, so uh, say you've managed to produce some chapters or even a whole book, and then you start to um, share it with other people. And writing, uh, uh, I worked for years as a, a tutor at a university. And the lady that trained me said, we think writing comes from here. I'm pointing at my head. <laughs> but in fact, but in fact, it comes from here. I'm pointing at my heart. Mm. Um, so, so you've poured your life into these chapters or this book. And then you go out into the world for feedback in whatever form it takes. And it's <laughs> like people are saying, your baby is ugly. You know, ouch. (laughs) You know, and even if the motive of their heart is that they they're just having an honest reader's reaction and saying, I don't like this character, I'm really confused here. They're just having an honest reaction, but it's hard to hear that. And to, to me, you have to separate what you have produced from who you are. Amen. And when I, um, My first book, almost sold, almost sold, almost sold. I broke out in a skin condition as it was working its way through the the, um, committees, and then it didn't sell. And Mm. I was devastated. And what I did was I went back to the verses that told me that my identity was in Jesus, you know, that I was precious and honored in his sight, that I was the daughter of a king, Mm -hmm. you know, so... I think when people start to get really bent out of shape as you give them feedback, and I can remember um, as a writing tutor where I would be telling someone that a comma was in the wrong place and they'd start to, their body language, their little chair would start to scoot away from me and stuff. And, <laughs> and I thought, you know, we're just talking about commas and semi- semicolons. This is not a sensitive issue, but in fact, because the the particular girl that I was tutoring that day had written a very personal essay and she thought that I was indicting her experiences versus I'm just looking at what's going on on the page and whether you are 
communicating well or causing confusion. So part of our task as writers, if you want to be published, is to remember that that thing that you've produced, while it is a reflection of you, while there are pieces of you in it, it is not you. Mm -hmm. No one is saying that your experiences are irrelevant or that you're ugly or that you can't write. They're looking at that particular piece of writing and giving you feedback. Um, And as always, you have to filter through the comments that people give you. The cool thing, when I was first started writing, I was in a critique group and I think there was maybe five of us. And I always knew that if, if two or three of those people were saying the same thing, it was probably valid. It wasn't a pet peeve of that particular person. You know, if, if two of them were saying, I'm really confused on page five or this character is not likable, I knew that, that I needed to address that. So that's the power of feedback and critique. And again, that first critique group that I belonged to, the lady that started it had a really wonderful guideline in that you weren't allowed to argue or justify. Um, you simply nodded and smiled and said, thank you. Right. And wrote, you know, and then part of knowing how to receive feedback is understanding. I know even when I get my editorial letters, Uh, you know, you've turned in a book and then the editor says, fix this and fix that. My first response is always, she doesn't know what she's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, So what I do is I don't send her some sort of curt email or something. I'm like, set it aside, Sharon, you know, walk away from it. If you have the time, you give it a day or two and then you go back. And as I dig into the manuscript, I'm like, oh my goodness, I have the greatest editor ever. <laughs> you know? So again, it's like we're really protective of what we've yes. done creatively. Yeah. And we have to be able to see it as a separate thing. Um, and, it, you know, it makes sense that sometimes you do go to battle for your story and the, the integrity sure, sure. of your story. But for the most part, editors aren't editors um, because they don't know what they're doing. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear you say that. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're heading into the, the home stretch here. What's number five? Well, we've addressed it a little bit. It's separating um, what you've written um, from yourself and from your experience. And I gave you the example of when I was tutoring that young woman and She had written this story about her and her mom getting away from an abusive stepfather. And I was just talking about colons and semicolons. And and I I literally saw her chair, you know, in her body language, her arms were crossed and everything. And I thought, what is going on here? And I just took a moment with her and I said, it sounds like you and your mom went through a lot together. And it's so neat that it strengthened your relationship. And everything about her relaxed mm. and she was able to hear that the semicolons were not being used right, you know? Wow. So that whole issue of, uh, as writers, it, you know, I talked about my my editorial letter where I just feel my stomach twist as I read it. We have to be able to work past that and know that we're protective of what we do 
But in order to make it better, we have to allow that wise counsel that Karen talked about, you know, and we filter through it. We protect the integrity of the story when we need to. But honestly, we don't need to go to battle over everything. Right. It's it's better to step away from it, examine it, um, and remember where our identity comes from. Right. I really love that, Sharon. I, it's been so great. I'm so sad. The time went so fast. Yeah. <laughs> no, we need to keep talking. So um, I tell this to people, our guests quite often, but but I'm saying it to you too. We need to bring you back on and we need to hear more about the kinds of things that God has shown you in your writing career. And then the fact, I love the fact that you take the time to share those lessons and truths with other writers. So thank you so much for being here with us, my friend. Um, It's been a delight. And uh, let's all just remember where our identity resides. And that's in the one who's given us this task. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be defensive. We just need to be obedient and to trust in the fact that he loves us. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sharon. Yeah, thank you, Erin. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. We hope you found it helpful. And if you know someone else who needs this podcast, please share it. You can find backlist episodes and lots more resources at our website, rightfromthedeep.com. Yep, we'd love to connect with you guys there. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Amen. Amen. Amen.